we'll see how well there's going to be laryngitis. So that's kind of horrible in my occupation. So um, you have to bear with me. <clears throat> and I'm going to clear my throat. I promise I don't have COVID. Okay. Um, so can anybody find Ohio on a map? Like, it feels like four. Yeah, right? Yeah. It feels like it's like, like another part of the world. I guess it is, right? It's really far away because we drove from Ohio. Uh, all the way up here, uh, back in uh, back in May, and moved Madison Ryan up here. It is really far away, but um, it's good to be here. I'm glad to be here um, with you guys. Um, even though I'm from Ohio, I actually grew up in the state of Kentucky. Okay, we all wear shoes. Um, <laughs> promise. Not not all of us talk like this, but a lot of us do. Uh, but I did. The, but the one thing you need to know about Kentucky is um, basketball is a religion. If you didn't know that, it, most people, when, I, when you talk about Kentucky, they're like, oh, yeah, isn't that like basketball country? Yeah, we, we revere basketball. It is, it is top of the line, you know? Um, and so um, it, it, and when I say that, there's a lot of ritual involved in it. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance involved in it. Uh, there's a lot of, of devotion to it. Like, you need to know who the team is, who's on the roster, what the record is, who they're playing next. And if you don't, people look down on you like, like you're second class. Right? You're, they're supposed to know that. Um, and, and so when I say the allegiance to Kentucky basketball, basketball borders on the religious, I'm not joking. Like, I have friends who will not watch the game when they, they're afraid they're going to lose because they're afraid they'll get sick or have a heart attack or cuss too much or something like that. So, um, yeah. So, here, so as I speak, I'm going to ask you guys to do something for me, okay? So, I'm going to take a pause on my story here real quick. I like a lot of interaction. And if you're not used to that, um, it's going to throw me off a little bit. So, um, if, I say, if I say, are you all tracking with me? Just say yeah, or you can even venture out and go spot on. That is the actual response to that. It's an Air Force thing. I live in Air Force town. So, um, so you guys tracking with me? Yeah. All right. That helps me. That makes me know that I'm, I'm connected. All right. So, um, so when I was in the seventh grade, when I was in the seventh grade, our basketball coach, um, come to find out, knew an, asso an associate our assistant coach at the, uh, uh, on the UK basketball team. And he had worked out so that we could go and see a practice. Now to a bunch of 11 or 12, 13 year old boys who were playing basketball, that was amazing. We are super excited. And I mean, this is like going to the Vatican and seeing the Pope if you're Catholic, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what this was like. And so we, we, we got all, and he made us wear shirts, shirts and ties, you know, we were like 13 year old boys, you know, you know and, and we're all dressed up and we come to the, we come to the basketball, uh, basketball arena. And, and see, his goal for us was this. We were lazy, you know, like most 12, 13 year old basketball players are, lazy practicers. We couldn't practice to save our life. But we were actually pretty talented. Pretty good ball team. The, a lot of the guys who played on the seventh grade team went on to win the state championship a few years later. So they were pretty good basketball players, but we were lazy. He wanted us to pick some stuff up from these guys and make sure that we could do whatever um, they were doing. Right? And so it was really cool to be able to go in and see, uh, uh, see them practice. So, um, so we, we watched practice, 
and we picked up on the fundamentals and we all stopped and said, yeah, we can do some of that. That's pretty cool. And so that's all we thought we were going to get to do. I mean, it was good enough that we were this close for this team, right? It was awesome. And then the coach, they, they start finishing practice, and the coach comes up to us and goes, guess what, guys? You get to meet, these, meet the team. We're all like, what? Our heads explode. We're freaking out. It's like, this is the best ever. And we did. We, got, we, got, we went down on the floor just to go down on the practice floor. It was awesome. And, and go down the floor and just interact with these guys. And, and so and we're all thinking, you know, well, they're the UK basketball team. They're going to like, yeah, kid, well done, and just go on. But they didn't. What we found out is that these guys were just regular college kids trying to make it in the world, right? Now, a couple of these kids, at least one of them I know, went on to win a gold medal, <laughs> played, and played in the NBA, right, all this stuff. They, they would go on in this season and lose in the Final Four. So, I mean, they, they, were, they were a top-notch bunch of people. And they took this time with us. It was just awesome. They stopped everything they were doing. I remember Kenny Walker, who was the best pl ball player on the team at the time. He go, he, he is, he's in a rush because he's got some class he's got to run off to next, right, after practice. And he's, he's signing autographs and, and encouraging us and just running real fast. But he even took the moment to just kind of go, hey, thanks for being here. We want to encourage you to go be good ball players and be good citizens, okay? And he took off. Right? That's what he wanted for us. I, we, we were so impressed not only with their, you know, them as, I mean, that was the UK basketball team. They were like, that's awesome. But just how great a people they were, that they didn't think of themselves higher than us, right? That is one of the things I love about Jesus. I mean, if anybody could walk the plane, right? I'm up here. Right? But he didn't. He stopped, he interacted, he, he, he took the time with people, whether it was at a street corner, in a marketplace, or at a wedding feast. He took the time, and he had a heart, and he empathized, and he said, this is what I want. And then I want to know you. And, and he, didn't, he, he didn't make any bones about it. He would stop everything. You know, you know the stories. You've heard some of them, right? Walking through, running through a crowd. Lady touches him, power release. He goes, who touched me? All these people touch you, Jesus. Well, he, he stops everything, right? So that's where we find ourselves, right? In the book of John, chapter 2, at the wedding feast of Canaan. This guy, he should have been the greatest guest, right? This greatest guest, all right? But Jesus just wanted to be one of the regular folks. And he takes a step down, and he just interacts with everybody, right? So uh, hopefully you did. You got something opened up, a device, a Bible. Um, we're going to put some stuff up on the screen for you. But um, hopefully what, you, uh, what, what you'll see as we walk through this, because I'm not going to reread the whole passage. I'm going to stop in a couple intervals. We're going to look at it. And we're going to see Jesus, what he does, and how he, how he does this thing where he, he takes a, a regular everyday vessel and he makes something glorious come out. Yeah. So let's look. So first we'll look at verse 3. Right? Let's look at verse 3. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. This was, um, so this was culturally offensive, y'all. This was culturally offensive for, for you to actually throw a giant wedding feast with your, for your daughter and not have enough 
It was culturally offensive. How dare you invite me to come to your wedding feast and not have enough? Right? It's culturally offensive. Um, and the, the funny thing is, this is why this is one of the reasons it was so culturally offensive. Because at, from the moment that that your daughter, the daughter is born, the, the 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 father of the bride would take regular everyday table wine, okay, that they would use around the house. And he would sock it away, right? And would put it in a barrel. And so he'd fill up one barrel that was year one, another barrel year two, year three, year four, year five, like that, right? And so, so you can imagine year one wine is by the time she's 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, which probably was the time she was getting married. This is decent wine, right? right? And so for you not to have enough wine, means you didn't take the time and the care to take care of your daughter and prepare for her future. We would talk more in financial things. Like, you didn't prepare for college. You didn't prepare for what? What are you doing? But, so this is, that's, so, so we got some cultural offense going on here. You get it? And so if you run out of wine, all of a sudden, you're not just like, well, this guy's a putz. It's, you're not taking care of your kids. You know, it's a big deal. Um, and so, 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 um, so if he's not taking care of his daughter, right, then the whole room knows it because you've run out of wine. That was something less than good for the father, right? It was embarrassing. It was offensive, right? Let's just put it this way. At this point in the story, everything is broken. Everything is broken, right? It's out of order. Nothing's the way it should be. Yeah? And this is why Mary walks up to Jesus. This is why Mary walks up to Jesus. Can I get that water? This is why Mary walks up to Jesus. Thank you. Um, because she knows, she empathizes. She's connected to this, to this, uh, this bride, right? Now we've just gone through Christmas, right? So you know, you know her background, right? You know where Mary's coming from, right? Mary, Mary was betrothed to be married to Joseph. She does not have, uh, she, she's betrothed, and all of a sudden she shows up pregnant, so she's the talk of the town. She, her whole family's embarrassed. She's embarrassed, right? And so she really connects with this bride. Good. Jesus, you've got to do something about this. I know you can do this. And one of my favorite lines in this is, right, woman, it's not my time. But what happens between woman, it's not my time, and him turning water to wine? You're right. He's a good Jewish boy. Mama said so. That's what you do, right? Mama said do this, so you do it. He wasn't ready. But he knew, he saw his mother and was like, I know what you just done to her. I will take care of this. And he does, right? So when we get, um, so when we get verses 6 and 7. All right. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washings, each holding from 20 to 35, the, uh, 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servant, fill the jars with water. 
So they filled them to the brim, right? Um, now, don't, don't, we, we, I've actually heard sermons where they preach about the stone vessels and they were these special things. No, no, no. These are just water jugs. They're just stone water jugs. Like, the water that was used was for ceremonial purification that they did during the, during the wedding ceremony, is what it was, right? I feel like it's like a chair. It's not, there's nothing magnificent about this, this these water jugs, right? So, and, and everyone in the place had passed by them and just like, ah, it's a water jug, right? Now, these water, these jars, um, so, I mean, like I said, I could go, I don't want to go too deeply into this because there is a huge point here that I want to, I want to make for you. These water jugs are us. They're us. There's nothing special. Just like everybody else, right? All right, you put your pants on one leg at a time. Right, you fed your kids today. You, right, you washed your face. Maybe you watched a football game or something like that. Just like everybody else, and your neighbors, right? Just like them, right? They went to the store. They fed their kids. Maybe they watched the football game. Just that's just, this is us, and there's nothing special about us, is there? There's nothing really special about us, right? We're common everyday people who attend church, pay our taxes, wash our kids' faces, mow our grass. Our church attendance isn't unique. Lots of people went to church today. Yeah? You just drive down the street and you can see it. And you can almost guess the life your neighbor lives, right? It's not much different than yours. But we are the jars that Jesus says, go fill those up. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We're the jars that Jesus said, go fill those up. Right? So at this point in the story, I wanted, to pop, I wanted to say that to you because I want you to, want you to stop and realize that. Those jars are not important, but they become super important as soon as Jesus says, go fill those up. And that's us. Yeah? You tracking with me? Yeah. Yeah. We sit on a precipice, don't we? Tons of potential inside of us. We can sit here and go, well, one day God will use me. Or we could say something like this. Today is the day. Today is day one. Now one day. Today is day one. Right? What will he do in me today if I let it? Will it just be another day? Or will it be day one? And the kingdom will begin to change us. story. We're on the precipice. Because in this story, right, what does Jesus do? Right? Go fill the charge up. You don't know what he's doing. You don't know what he's doing. What's going to happen next? Let's find out. Yeah? Let's find out. Because it happens, right? It happens. Jesus turns water to wine. 
He, t- he says, go fill those jars up. And he turns the water into wine. It's one of the coolest, the coolest things, right? Right? The wine that... Now, remember, the, the, the bridegroom, or the bride's father, had taken that wine, and he had filled it up from the time she was a baby, right? And so there are these water jugs, or these wine jugs, and these barrels. And the first barrel would have been the best wine, right? And by the time you get to the barrel, like, 15, it's just not as good a wine, right? And so, and so they know what good wine tastes like. They've had it, right? You follow me? You tracking with me? Yeah. And so, so what happens is, as they get to this point, and they finish the wine, and then Jesus says, you know, okay, go take this wine out to them. And then people start going, look, oh my gosh, it's the best wine. Why'd you save this till the end? Why did you save the really old wine for now? You're supposed to, they're drunk. They don't need to be given the good wine. Right? And so, so what's going on in this, in, uh, at this moment in the story is that people are starting to realize something drastic has happened. Something magnificent has happened. And something magnificent did happen, right? It did happen. The wine on a molecular and temporal, or the water on a molecular and temporal level had been changed. Right? And the water was turned into grape juice and then fermented instantaneously. Think about that. That's the work that's done. When he touched it, when he rearranged the molecules, whatever Jesus did, right? And it just changed. So Jesus took this common everyday thing, right? This common everyday thing, like a jar of water. And what's it say? It revealed his glory. Mm. It took a common everyday thing, like a jar of water, and revealed his glory. Are you guys tracking with me? Can you take the next step on your own? <laughs> if you're the jar, and he's filled you up. What's he want to do through you? He wants to reveal his glory to the world. Yeah? Isn't that the point? Isn't that what we're supposed to be about as, as people who walk with Jesus? And this miracle, he had brought heaven to earth. His will literally, his will literally had been done on earth as it is in heaven. Look at what one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, says. He put, yeah. The wedding is a foretaste of the great heavenly feast in store for God's people. Check Revelation 21.2. The water jars used for the Jewish purification rites are a sign that God is doing a new thing from within the old Jewish system, bringing purification to Israel and to the world in a whole new way. Yeah? That's what has happened here. It, if, we, if we will let him reveal the glory of the kingdom in us, it will change the world. We, we just have to let him. He has changed the world through common vessels like you and me for years. You've experienced it. Some of you have done it. 
You've been changed on the inside. God has forgiven you and, and changed your heart and your life. And he's turned around and asked you to do the same thing as somebody else and you've done it. You know what that's like. You bring the abundance of the kingdom into the world because you're willing. Because you're able. That's what Paul was getting at in 2 Corinthians. When he says this. Put this up, yeah. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the faces of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Jars of clay. Sound familiar? Maybe God's trying to tell us something. If we're, if we're jars of clay that he has transformed on the inside, all we have to do is take it out. Like, like, like he took the wine and gave it to the, you know, the, the, the wedding official and said, here, look, look, look at what God's done in my life. That's all we have to do. Sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? When I lay it out like that. <clears throat> the question then isn't, can he do his work through me? The question is, will I let him? The transformation from water to wine is a sign to us that Jesus can work through us. Yes? My question for you then is, is who, who are you sharing this transform, transformation with? Not how, not where, with whom? Who are you offering the beauty and the abundance of the kingdom of God to? Is it a friend in need? You know, they have unique issues going on in their life. You can bring unique compassion to them, and they can see Jesus through you. Maybe it's a coworker who's given you grief, and you can't imagine that God wants you to help that person. But he is. He's asking you to reveal his beauty of his kingdom through you, through that hard relationship. Or maybe it's a friend who's come to your MC, right? Who doesn't know who Jesus is and is like really needing and wanting to take the next step. And you're like, oh, is it me? Am I supposed to be the one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are. And I want you to notice something. In this story, you can look at it. This transformation from water to wine does not happen without Mary's declaration. Do whatever he tells you. Doesn't happen. What has he told you? That's the question. What has he told you? Go make disciples. Love your neighbor. Take care of the poor, the hungry, the naked, the imprisoned. Yeah. 
All those. Reveal the beauty of the kingdom of God in this clay jar. So my question is I finish. What's what's your next step? How do you take the next step? Because if you're the clay jar that water has been put in, and Jesus has reached out and he's changed that water into wine in you, it is your life. And miracles happen to you. What's your next step? How do you share that with the world? Because I know this. Someone needs to see the beauty of the kingdom of God through your eyes. Somebody does. And I, I believe this. Somebody just popped in your head. The Spirit just gave you a, I don't know, somebody's face, somebody's name, situation. Don't back off of that. Step into that. Reveal the beauty of the kingdom of God in that situation. Yeah? Can I pray for you? Lord Jesus, um, thank you for this body, for the work that they're doing in your kingdom. Thank you for taking clay jars full of water, turning them into wine. Thank you for just working out all of that stuff in us. Father, I pray for them that, that, that this mission that you have sent them on, that you sent all of us on to bring the beauty of your kingdom to the world um, through our individual lives, and that you give them confidence, strength, and power to do that. Not from them, but from you. God, bless them. And show them your, your glory. It's in your name I pray.